Welcome to C3 San Diego. Need something fresh, real, and powerful in your life? Connect with us on social media, get live stream service notifications, podcasts, and up-to-date information on upcoming events. We are so glad you're joining us for a powerful, life-transforming message from one of our C3 San Diego pastors. We would love to hear about how God is impacting your life through this ministry. Please share your experience with us at info at c3sandiego.com. If you'd like to be a part of what C3 Church is doing in the city of San Diego and beyond, you can contribute financially by going to c3give.com and choosing the giving option that works best for you. We hope you enjoy this message. Man, I already feel like this morning's been powerful. I'm like, that worship, that giving message, that testimony, wow. You've already got your money's worth today. Why don't you punch your neighbor, take a seat. Incredible. What a morning already. Thank you, worship team. Um, I just want to piggyback on, uh, on Corey's testimony there and just talk real quick about Emerge um, because I want to help some of the men give you a little bit of insight into your wife. This is a relationship series that we're in, so I figured I'd you know, give you, help you a little bit. Um, your wife will feel more secure in her relationship if she sees you chasing God. I'm just, can, can I get an amen from the ladies? If you want to be a spiritual leader, you don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to speak in tongues 24 hours a day. You just need to pursue God. You just need to pursue God and be the example of your family, and your wife will be cheering you on. Deep down inside, she doesn't want to say, hey, go sign up for Emerge. She wants you to lead. She wants you to make a decision. She wants you to be proactive. That's how women think. I grew up with two older sisters and a mom. And uh, anyways, just wanted to, just wanted to uh, help some of the men. Just go register, and uh, it'll, it'll change your life. Five out of the 48 hours is activities and lifting weights and all that kind of stuff. The whole rest of the time is you connecting with other men, building relationships, being ministered to by the greatest ministry in the world, eating awesome food, sweating like a pig. It's awesome. <laughs> so anyways, um, well, hey, we're in, we're in mates, mates and Dates. It's our relationship series. And uh, one more um, relationship insight for free that I'll give you before I start is the man is the supposed to be the head of the home, right? But the lady is the neck, right? Tells us where to go. Tells us where to turn our heads. So my wife said, you need to talk a little bit more about um, dating before you get into the marriage stuff. And so I want to talk to, to some people, to some single people um, this morning about uh, a little bit about dating, about a little bit about our story. And then I want to get into marriage. And so the, uh, if, you're, if you're married, pay attention to this part because it could help you too or help somebody you know or your kids or whatever. And then when I start talking about marrieds, Singles, the best time to listen about, uh, to learn about how to be married is before you're married. So you can arrive on the scene with a clue, unlike a lot of us. And so, uh, <laughs> so when I met my wife 15 years ago, um, the first thing is, if you're single, let people know about it. Sometimes they'll say, like, if you're single, raise your hand, and everyone's like. When I was single, I was telling everybody to set me up. Because the best way to, to meet somebody is to get set up, right? And so I'm telling everybody to set me up. And so when I met my wife, that was the third date of the week, the second Becky of the week. And, uh, 
and she won, you know, she, she got the nod. And so, I'm not saying you have to go out three times a week, I'm just saying that just happened to be that week. So, you know, but I was telling people, Mike, set me up, hook me up, hook me up, you know, like, who do you know, who do you know, you know? And so, make sure people, people know that you're, that you're available. Number two is, um, it's okay to be attracted to whoever you're gonna date. You don't have to just try to like peer into their soul and look at their heart. Because the Bible says, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. Here's a, let me read you a quick scripture that you might think makes no sense in this relation, but Mark 11, 12 to 14 says, now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, Jesus was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, it looked attractive from afar. He went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. In other words, there was no fruit. In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. <laughs> so Jesus sees this fig tree from afar that looks very attractive. The only reason he went up to the tree to check the fruit is because he was attracted to the tree. So he went up to the tree because it was attractive. It had leaves on it. Some of us are so, are so into the attractiveness. We're into the biceps, the abs, the brunette, the blonde, whatever, that we forget about the fruit. But you have to be attracted to the outside before you can see if there's any fruit. So Jesus walked over to the tree, and he looked, and he saw the leaves that were attractive. But he looked beyond the leaves, and he saw that there was no fruit. There was no figs. So he cursed the tree. Now, you don't have to curse somebody if you don't like them. <laughs> But you do have to check the fruit. Don't be so mesmerized by the attractiveness, by the looks, by the money, whatever. Check the fruit. You got to check the fruit. But it is okay to be attractive because I got to tell you, um, I'll never know what's inside of a car unless I like the outside of the car the way it looks. <laughs> when I go to a car lot, I'm like, which one has GPS? That's not what I say. I say, which one looks fly? Because that's the one I want to buy. And then I'll worry about the inside later. So it's okay to be attracted to the person, but don't just stop there. Make sure that there's fruit. Make sure that there's some fruit in their life. When my wife and I started dating, we, we made a decision that we weren't going to go to the physical because we had done relationships wrong before that, but this was one that we wanted to honor God with. We had both kind of just recently rededicated our lives to Christ, and so um, we, we decided to do this relationship the right way. And by the way, men, you are the leader even in your relationship, you set the boundaries on the physical stuff. I used to think that the, it was the women's job to set the boundaries. It's the man's job. If you can set the boundaries, men, then the woman that you're courting is going to trust you with her life when you get married. But if you can't set the boundaries, you have no self-control. If you can't set the boundaries up front, she's not going to trust you. Um, because women are emotional people, so they, they might just go there. If you're leading them there, that's why you have to be the leader and stop. Anyways, so, so we, did, we decided not to, go, not to go physical. What we decided to do was to get to know each other. And so we went out on date after date. And by the way, when I met her, she had just had a, a, an old relationship, a guy she dated for four years in college, come back into her life. And so she was kind of dating two people. Somebody say player. <laughs> so... <laughs> But I actually knew about it. Like, it wasn't a big secret. She wasn't trying to, you know, whatever. She was just trying to figure things out. She was like, did God bring this guy back into my life? And so we would literally talk in front of her apartment for hours when we go out on dates. And I was like her counselor almost with this other relationship. You know, I'm obviously like, you know, bending it in my direction. But <laughs> lo and behold, I won. 
and uh, beat out that other scrub. If you're watching, I love you, man. But, um, but anyways, we got to know each other very when in, in, in about seven dates. I didn't I didn't get a kiss till the seventh date, so I'm spending a lot of money, you know, not getting a kiss. But, but it's okay. Um, she doesn't even remember our first kiss. She's not here today. But if she, when you see her next, be like, hey, how was that first kiss? See what she says. Um, must have been powerful, you know. And so. So we got to, but we, we made a decision not to go to the physical, but to, but to get to know each other. Because as soon as you introduce the physical, that becomes the focus of the relationship. And it usually train wrecks the relationship. Because either you continue to do that, and then you feel guilty and shameful. So either way, your focus is on the physical. Even if you're not doing it anymore, now you feel guilty about it, and you don't know what to do, and you got to come and, you know, uh, you know, get counseling or whatever, because you're, you know you're not supposed to do that, but you're doing it. So it just becomes the focus. The focus needs to be getting to know each other. And then some of us have lists you know, eight pages long that we're trying to find the right person to fit all of these lists. You know, he has to be tan. He has to drive a Beamer. He has to have 50 grand in the bank. You know, he has to live in Rancho Santa Fe. She has to be six feet tall, blonde, brunette, whatever, wear high heels. So we have lists that are so long that sometimes even like Jesus couldn't fulfill this list. <laughs> so like my wife said last week, we're looking for Miss, or Mr. and Mrs. Perfect instead of Mr. and Mrs. Right. So, we, so don't have a list that's so long, but you do need to have some non-negotiables in your life. So, you know, one of my non-negotiables was, I mean, for some reason I like, I was always attracted to blonde-haired women. And so I wanted her to be blonde, because <laughs> that's what I liked. It's okay. Um, and then I wanted her to have a relationship with God, which is novel, right? Um, you need to have a, you, your spouse or your future spouse, whoever you're dating, needs to have a relationship with Christ. If you're falling in love with somebody who has yet to fall in love with Jesus, your, your relationship is doomed for disaster. I've seen it happen over and over and over and over again. Missionary dating doesn't work. There's a few examples of success, but very few. My advice to you is to make sure they have any, uh, a relationship with Christ. Two more quick ones would be um, um, when, you, when you marry somebody, you marry their family too. And so you need to make sure that you can get along with their family or that you can stomach, you know, their family when you, when you get married. <laughs> the last one would be that um, for me was th that my family needed to get along with, with her, that my family, that my leaders, that my friends liked my wife. And so that was a big one because the Bible says that in Proverbs eleven fourteen, 14, where there's no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Sometimes when you're in the heat of the moment emotionally, you can't see physically. And so you need somebody on the outside looking in to, to give you advice whether what you're doing is right or not. And if you're going to ask people their opinion, listen to it. Only ask the people that you trust, but ask people their opinion and then listen to it. Our very first date, um, real date, was at my parents' wedding anniversary. So she had, already, she had already known my dad because my dad set us up. And then we went to their uh, wedding anniversary because it was the only time that we could get together in like a two-week period. So I'm like, hey, do you want to come? My sisters will be there. My mom and dad will be there. <laughs> you know, just let, let's, get, let's get to know this thing quick if it's going to work or not, you know. 
But I left that, and my sisters were like, oh, my gosh, she's so great, you know. And, and so it worked out. But I wanted to get buy-in buy in from, from the family because sometimes we can't see, and we need to listen to those voices that are on the outside looking in. So that's just a little bit of advice for those of you who are single or those of you who know somebody single. Um, it seems to work, you know. I, I did throw some Bible in there so that you can, you know, verify it. Whereas last, last week my wife goes, uh, this is just my opinion. <laughs> but it was brilliant. It was brilliant. Okay. I'll talk to you about, about uh, marriages now. And um, one of my favorite quotes says, no life success can make up for a failure at home. No life success can make up for a failure at home. Marriage is the foundation of the family, and the family is the foundation of society. And so you have to know that your marriage is tight. God created marriage. He doesn't create junk. He wants it to be extraordinary. And your kids need to see you in love with your spouse. Your, your priority needs to be your spouse, not your kids. They're definitely a high priority, but your number one priority needs to be, needs to be your spouse. Um, my wife and I you know, go on dates still. It's very important to keep dating after you get married, by the way. Very important to keep dating once you get married. But we'll go on dates, and we get babysitters, and I have three kids, and sometimes my, they're, they're mad at us because they're getting a babysitter. But always, one of them will say, guys, it's okay. Dad needs to take mom out on a date. Because they like it. As much as they say they, they, don't li they like seeing you in love. They like seeing me kiss my wife in the kitchen, even though they gross out and go, ew. They like it. They like it. And so make sure, you're, make sure you're doing that. Make sure you're dating. And I want to paint a picture for you of how marriage was intended to be. Because whenever you want to know, you know, how should marriage really be, you just got to look in the Bible and you got to go back to the beginning at the creation of marriage. And so let's look at it. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion. Notice it doesn't say let him have dominion. Let them have dominion together, equally let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and cattle all over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male, and female, he created them. In other words, God couldn't just create a man in his own image. In order to get the full expression of God, he had to create male and female. Male and female. Then God blessed them before they did anything. And then God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Be intimate. Have sex. Multiply the earth. Subdue it. Have dominion again over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay. Genesis 2, 21 to 25. Kind of goes in more detail how the woman was created. It says, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He didn't want Adam to mess it up. And he slept. And he took one of his ribs, close up from his flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into woman. And he brought her to the man. I call my wife the prime rib. God took a prime, prime rib. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man, because she was taken out of a man. He woke up and she was naked. He was like, whoa, man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked. <laughs> Pause for effect. The man and his wife and were not ashamed. Can you imagine the beginning? How, this is how marriage was supposed to be. 
God created, the creator of the universe created man and woman in his own image. So he made them like himself. And they had a perfect relationship with God. They were living in paradise. They didn't have to work that hard because all of the trees and the fruit in the ground were just producing. God said, have dominion over the whole earth. Have sex and fill it. Fill the whole earth. So they're sitting in, in, a, in a perfect paradise garden where everything's organic. Kale, spinach, acai, possibly acai bowls. You never know. Could have been some stuff happening. There was no competition because they'd never seen another human. So they, they, weren't, they weren't seduced. Their eyes weren't seduced by other images. So there was no competition. Men, eliminate the competition from your wife. Only, only focus on your wife. One of the greatest things you can pray is, God, let me and my wife only have eyes for each other. It's one of the greatest prayers you can pray. So they're, they're, they're sitting in a perfect garden in paradise, told to have sex and take dominion over the whole earth, and they're completely naked. And they're not ashamed, and they're not guilty. What a moment. What a moment in time. I believe we can have these moments where everything just seems perfect. The title of my message is A Moment Like This. I want to talk to you about having a moment like this, like how it was supposed to be. I believe that we can create moments, and even more than a moment, a series of moments that comes into a season of euphoria in our marriage and in our families. That should be the goal. So how do we, how do we make these moments? How do we prolong these seasons of euphoria, of perfection in our marriage? Because it's not going to be perfect, right? We're going to have issues. Things are going to come up. We're going to fight, whatever. All that stuff is good. But I don't know about you. My goal is to get back to the garden, where you can stand with your wife and everything, you feel blessed. God's blessing you. Where you feel fully vulnerable with each other. You feel intimately connected. You feel like you've been communicating well, like your family's on point, like everything's going well in your life. You, like you can take over the world. How do we get to those moments? A moment like this. So I want to talk to you about a few things to help us get to those moments. And I had like literally 10 pages of stuff that I wanted to say, and I try to condense it into three little things. So the first one is we need to seek to understand each other. If we want to create moments, we need to understand each other. How many men have heard the statement, you can't understand a woman? You know, you've heard that. We don't get to say that because the Bible says in 1 Peter 3, 7, husbands, Likewise, dwell with your wife with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and being heirs or equals together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. So we don't get to say, oh, I just don't understand her. We have to seek to understand. And the only way you can seek to understand your wife is to dwell with her. Spend time. It's very simple. Spend time with your wife. Women like quality time. My wife's number one love language is quality time. Before I met my wife, I used to watch every movie that came out. I remember back when I was playing baseball, and I would even go by myself to a movie, watch a movie, and then just cruise into another theater and watch another one. <laughs> Double feature. I would just watch every movie that came out. When I met my wife, now we can't go to movies. We have to go to dinner and talk. Because she likes to talk and have quality time. And so we go to dinner now, and we talk. 
or at least she talks. <laughs> they want to know that you're interested in them. They want to know that. That is one of, their, one of their desires, to know that you're interested in them. And so I try to dwell with understanding. And, it, and <clears throat> some of the best conversations that we've ever had, I never said anything. <laughs> she will attest to this if she was here. One night we're, we're laying in bed, this is a few years ago, and uh, she's, she get, you know, we get into bed and she gets in and she just starts telling me about her day and talking about this issue and solves it by herself because I hadn't said anything. But women process out loud, men process in their mind, right? We go to the man cave, women want to process out loud, so you got to listen. And so about 10 minutes in, I start, I start laughing because I hadn't said a word. And uh, she's like, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? And I'm like, because... I haven't said a word in the last 10 minutes and you're having the time of your life. <laughs> Solved every problem. Like, it was amazing. It was amazing. But, but women like quality time. If you want to understand your bride, spend time with them. If you want to create moments like this, spend time with them. Just recently, I was just spending time with my wife and I got this overwhelming feeling of, of joy and of thankfulness and of gratefulness to God because of my gorgeous, talented wife, and because of my amazing kids, and because of the life that we get to live, and the people that we get to do life with, it was like this overwhelming euphoria, but it was because I was spending time with her, and I remember having this thought, thinking like, I know a lot of great families, I know a lot of great couples, I know a lot of great kids, I see all the vacations on social media, the cars, the houses, everything, but I got to tell you, I'd rather be me, I'd rather be me and my wife and my kids and my life. And that's how we should all feel. That's how we should all feel. And that feeling comes when you spend time, when you connect with your spouse. We have to seek to understand. When you, uh, we should be spending twice as, much, um, twice as much time and half as much money. It's not about the money. It's about the time. Same thing with your kids. Most kids could give a rip where they live, what car you drive, whatever, as long as you're spending time with them. Half as much money, twice as much time. When you seek to understand each other, you'll start to find yourself in unity. And when you get into unity, you can create moments like this. When you get into unity, there is power. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 19, it says, Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Two is better than one. One can put a flight to 1,000, two, 10,000. There's power when we come together in agreement and in unity. And it's, 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 uh, it's important to become in unity so that you don't have to have your prayers hindered or rendered ineffective. One of the scariest verses in the Bible for me is found at the end of 1 Peter 3, 7, which I just said to you. It says, if you're not honoring your wife... If you're not treating her the right way, some translations say, then your prayers will be ineffective or hindered. I don't know about you fellows, but I can't afford for my prayers to be hindered. I'm trying to take ground. I'm trying to go to the next level. I'm trying to believe for my kids. I'm trying to believe for you. I'm trying to believe for the church. I'm trying to get people healed. I'm trying to get people delivered. I'm trying to raise people from the dead. I can't imagine my prayers being hindered. But the Bible is very clear, and it says when you are out of unity... When you are in conflict, your prayers will be hindered. The Bible says that, that the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, that his ears are attentive to their, to their prayers, but his face is against those who do evil. 
That's a scary thing to have God's face against you. You want his ear attentive to your prayer. So we have to spend time. We have to be in unity. We have to continue to try to understand each other. I still, married 15 years, I still don't understand some things. I don't understand why I have to use porcelain plates when paper's available. <laughs> it seems so easy to just eat off a of paper and throw it away. But my wife, as we learned in the last couple of weeks, women were created in a garden. They like beautiful things. They like presentation. And so they like porcelain plates, apparently. I don't understand it completely, but I'm living with understanding. I get it, okay? I get it. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I can't fold towels like this. So, so easy to fold a towel like this. But when I got married, I realized that I have to fold towels like this. <laughs> Presentation. Presentation. Even though the only people that will see this towel folded like this is me and my wife because they're in a cabinet, but I still have to fold it like this. I'm living with understanding. I don't know why. When I watch SportsCenter, and I'm waiting for that final, you know, the final five minutes when the main story is aired, right? You know what I'm saying? When you watch the SportsCenter. So you watch SportsCenter for 25 minutes, no idea where my wife is. Don't care. I'm watching SportsCenter. <laughs> but the last five minutes, when the main story is about to air, here she comes out of nowhere. It's like God transported her. And she comes and she wants to tell me her deepest, darkest secrets and problems of the day. And I used, to, I used to have one eye on her and one eye on the TV. But I realized that I can't hear her or the TV, so I'm going to lose-lose. And so then I, and then I tried to, you know, when she came in, you know, I'd watch as long as I could, and then I'd pause it. But then it was still awkward because she knew that I was pausing it to talk to her as I was interested in that, so it was a little bit awkward. So now I just try to, like, press record and turn the TV off <laughs> because I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to live with understanding. I'm trying to spend time with my wife. It doesn't always work out smoothly, but I'm getting there. 15 years, 15 years. The second thing, if we want to create moments like this, we have to learn how to love and respect each other. Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Before you get married, are you willing to give yourself for your spouse? Verse 33, Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife. It's a novel idea. Love his own wife, not other people's wives. Love his own wife as himself. Some of you men need to learn how to love yourself so that you can then love your wife. You need to find out who you are in Christ first. Be secure in who you are. Love yourself so that you can fully love your wife. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. Isn't it interesting that it says, husbands, love your wife, willing to lay down your life for her, love her that much. But then it says, women, respect your husband. It's love and it's respect. The greatest thing you can do, men, is love your wife. Is love your wife. If you're not feeling the respect that you feel like you deserve, maybe you're not loving your wife the way you should be loving her. 
Are you encouraging her? Are you lifting her up? Are you giving her a voice in the family? Are you buying her stuff? Are you listening to her? Are you loving her the way that she should be loved? Ladies, if you're not feeling the love that you feel like you should be getting, are you respecting your husband? Are you respecting him? Are you, are you um, encouraging him? We want to know that you're proud of us. We have egos that need to be stroked. I'm just saying, are you respecting your husband? What happens is the wife isn't feeling loved, and so she ceases to respect, or the husband isn't getting respect, so he ceases to love, and it's just this cycle, this, this constant cycle of conflict and, until one of the partners uh, swallows their pride and apologizes and makes it right. So we have to learn how to love our wives, and wives respect your husband. Respect is a feeling of deep admiration for somebody or something elicited by their abilities. I could do something, and 100 people could come by and say, man, good job, great job, good work, you're awesome. But if my wife says I'm proud of you, oh my gosh. It's a whole different level of, 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 of inner joy and, and uh, I don't know, euphoria, man, manliness that comes on the in, inside of me. I feel respected by my wife. Like, we want to be your knight in shiny armor. We want you to commission us to go do stuff and tell us we can do it. Tell us we can put together that toy. You can do it, babe. Tell us to go make some money for the family. You can do it, babe. Tell us that you're doing a great job providing. You're a great protector of our family. You're incredible. I'm proud of you. Stroke the ego of the man. Just do it. You'll find your man start to, start to soar. Treat him like a king, and he'll treat you like a queen. Treat your woman as a queen, and she'll treat you as a king. It's love and it's respect. It's love and it's respect. See men that you love your wives, and wives see that you respect your husbands. The other thing that we have to love and respect is the fact that you are married and what that means. You have to love and you have to respect the union of marriage. Marriage isn't just a ceremony. Marriage isn't just a, uh, you know, cute words said back and forth. Marriage certificate is not a contract. Marriage is a covenant. It is a covenant that we must love and respect in our marriage if we want to create moments like this. A contract is based on distrust towards the other person. A covenant is based on trust. A contract is designed to protect my life. A covenant is willing to lay down my life. A contract is only good for a period of time. It has a deadline. It has a termination date. A covenant is till death do us part. A contract is based on limited liability. A covenant is based on complete responsibility. When you get married, you're completely responsible. You're completely responsible. It's actually not your love then that sustains your marriage. It's your covenant that sustains your love because it's a covenant. In, in Genesis 15, God makes a covenant with Abraham. He comes and makes a covenant with Abraham, but before he makes the covenant, he puts Abraham in a deep sleep. So Abraham is asleep. So the covenant is a unilateral covenant with Abraham, not based on Abraham's works or response, based on the love of God towards him. That's what a covenant is. A marriage covenant should be like two unilateral covenants with each other. In other words, your love towards your wife isn't based on her actions or response. It's based on your love and your covenant with her. Her love for her man isn't based on his reactions or actions. It's based on her love for him. Now, it takes two to tango, 
But I'm just saying it should be like two unilateral covenants, not based on what the other person is doing. My wife and I always tell people, outserve your spouse and don't keep score. At the end of your life, you should be able to be pumped about saying, man, my wife got the better end of this deal. And your wife should be like, man, my husband got the better end of this deal. Like, think if we lived like that. At the end of our life, how many moments would we create of perfection in our marriage where we feel blessed, where we feel like we can take on the world? A moment like this. We have to be selfless, which can sometimes be hard in a selfie generation that we live in. But marriage is a selfless covenant. The last thing is appreciation. I'd like to invite up the worship team. The last thing is appreciation. This last year, my wife turned 40, and we had a party for her, and, uh, and I was um, thinking about her at the party because I had to make a speech. So I was thinking about all the things I appreciated about her, all the things that I loved about her. And it was amazing. As I started to rehearse these things in my mind, I started to realize what God has given me, the fact that God has given me this woman out of billions of women. He's given her me. And I started to appreciate her, and so her value started to go up in my eyes. I started to feel connected with her. And, 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 and I started to then think about my life, my kids, and the, and the life that we had together. And uh, I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you can have it all. Wow. And then I felt him say, you're welcome. <laughs> First time I ever felt the Holy Ghost be cheeky like that. I was like, that was, that was funny, Holy Ghost. That was funny. He said, you're welcome. And I felt so grateful. And then I said the speech, and I said some of the things that I appreciated about her out loud in public. How do you think that made her feel? Hopefully good when you're appreciating somebody, not just in private, but in, in public, when you're encouraging. We're called to exhort each other daily. One of the things that is difficult for me or has been that I've had to work on, I'm getting, I'm getting better, is, is appreciating her out loud. It's easy for me to do that for my kids. But for some reason, early on in our marriage, it was hard for me to appreciate her, to say the words that I was thinking. I was thinking the words, but I wasn't saying it. You know, when you have a, a, a little baby and they're like, you know, one or two or whatever, and when they want something, they just cry. And you're like, they're thinking something. You're like, use your words. Use your words. Use your words. And so finally they start to talk and you're like, oh, okay, easy. When you're thinking something about your spouse, use your words. Tell them they're beautiful. Tell them they're a great mother. Tell them they're a great provider, a great protector, a great man, a great woman. Tell them they're a great man of God. Tell them you appreciate the fact that they're investing in themselves and going to emerge, that it'll make your family better. Tell her the fact that you love the fact that she's interested in, in increasing her relationship with God at Cherish or whatever she's doing. When she's reading the Bible, it will, it will make you better. Let's appreciate people, but let's, let's use our words. The Bible says, Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in the power of your hand to do so. So don't withhold something that's good. Don't, don't withhold words when it's in the power of your hand to just give them, give them words. Proverbs 31.28, this is the Proverbs 31 woman. Her children rise up and call her blessed. They use their words. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. The Proverbs 31 woman was created because of kids and a husband that were 
exalting her, that we're encouraging her, that we're praising her, that we're appreciating her. Pastor Leanne says every woman has 10% psycho and every man has 10% fool. <laughs> I think that's fairly true. You know, some of us have more of one and whatever. And uh, I remember when I, when I first started, you know, going out with my wife, you guys have all, a lot of you have heard my wife's story, how she calls herself psychotic and, you know, insecure and all that kind of stuff. What she doesn't ever say is when we first met, I used to appreciate other women in front of her. Not like pornography, but like, oh man, Britney Spears would come on the TV. This was back in the day. Britney Spears, oh my gosh, she's so beautiful. Da, 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 da. And my wife's sitting here, I didn't know she was so insecure and you know, I, I probably turned the psycho thing up by 10%. <laughs> but it was my 10% fool, not being, you know, being an idiot, appreciating other things and not my wife, in front of my wife. We need to appreciate each other. We need to keep our eyes on each other and not fill our minds and our eyes with things that are unattainable and unsatisfiable. A few years ago, I, was, um, I felt disconnected from, from Becky. I felt like we weren't really hitting it off. And it was a frustrating time in our, in our marriage. It was a frustrating season, and I didn't know what to do. And so what I did was I heard that, about this book that you write nice stuff about your spouse and, you know, the feelings follow. And so I didn't read the book. I just took the idea. And uh, I said, you know what? For 21 days, I'm going to write nice things about my wife. I'm going to write something I appreciate about her. And I'm going to write it in a card, and I'm going to leave a little gift, like a little inexpensive gift, um, on her bed or in her car or whatever. So for 21 days, I wrote things that I appreciated about her. And by about day 10, I started to feel that connection come back. I started to feel that love for her come back because whatever appreciates gains value. If you buy a piece of real estate for $500,000 and you sell it for a million, you liked it at 500, but you love it at a million. It's called appreciation. When you begin to appreciate your spouse, their value goes up in your eyes. Not, maybe not a lot has changed in your relationship, but your lens that you're looking at them through has. So now their value goes up through appreciation. We need to be people and couples and families that appreciate each other. And you'll find the value of your spouse goes up to a whole new level. And it's just by focusing on those things that are good, not those things that are nagging or bugging or annoying or whatever. Focus on the things that are good. I guarantee if you were to go home and write all of the great things that you appreciate about your spouse, that list would be much, much longer than the little list that you have about the things that bug you or annoy you. Focus on those things. The Bible says focus on good things. Focus on things that are true, that are noble, that are just, that are pure, that are lovely. Whatever things that are of good report, focus on those things. And you'll find your marriage go to a whole new level. And you'll find you're having more and more moments like this. Before we kind of end the service, we have a few more minutes. I wanted to um, give you an opportunity to create a moment. I want all the married couples to stand up, please. If you're single, you should be looking around. Um, you're welcome. Um, married couples, this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to turn the lights down a little bit. Whoa, hello. It's good. This is good. And I'm going to play a song on the screen. 
But I don't want you to look at the video happening on the screen. I want you to look at your spouse in the eyes. Some of us haven't looked at our spouse in the eyes in a long time. And I want you to listen to the words. And you can choose to use your words and tell your spouse what you appreciate about them. Or you can choose to close your eyes, embrace, slow dance. We're going to give you just a couple of minutes to create a moment. Let's go ahead, guys. Face each other. good. Come on, give yourselves a hand. It's amazing how busy life gets and we forget to look our spouse in the eyes and tell them how much we love them or respect them. And so I just wanted to create a moment like this for you. Would you all stand, stand to your feet? I'm so proud of you guys. I almost didn't want to end that. That was very cute. I'll be posting that on Instagram, by the way. <laughs> Church should be a place that promotes family, marriages, children, friendships, iron sharpening iron, and uh, that, should be, that should be the place. And if you're single today and you're desiring to be married, you know, we're believing for you that you're going to have a moment like that when you stand at the altar into the eyes of your spouse and you say, till death do us part, where you're making that covenant and you can remember that moment for you. I love it if everybody just stay standing, just close your eyes where you are. The greatest relationship that we could ever, ever have is our relationship with Christ. That's actually even priority over our relationship with our spouse and with our kids and with our family. It's our relationship with Christ. So today I wanna to give you an opportunity that if you've never invited Jesus into your life, if you've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. Or maybe one time you did in the past, but today you're saying, you know what? I want to kind of rededicate my life to him. I want to come back into unity with Christ, because where there's unity, there's power. 
I don't know how people do marriage, family, life without Jesus. And I promise you, if today you decide to accept him as your Lord and Savior, to invite him into your life, you will find your life, you have answers for those questions that you could never answer before. You have strategies to overcome and create more moments in your marriage just by reading the Bible. It's a manual for life. So if you're one of those two people, if you've never asked Jesus into your life, or maybe one time you did, but you've taken your life back, but today you're saying, you know what, I want to rededicate my life to him. Right where you are, with every eye closed and head bowed, can you just raise your hand where you are so that I can pray for you? God bless you guys. I see those hands. God bless you. I see those hands. Hands are going up everywhere. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand to my left. See that hand up in the back. A couple of hands up there. See the hands up in my right, to my right, to my right in the middle over here. I see those hands. Incredible. I see that hand in the front. Thank you. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm telling you, God is into relationships. God sent his only son to die on a cross for one reason, to create a relationship with you. Is there anybody else? Is there anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Amen. You can put your hands down. Because there were so many, so many people that just lifted their hand, I'd love to do one more thing. I ask you to do one more thing, and you can bring your spouse or your friend or whatever. But I want to pray with you. But I don't want to just pray a general prayer. I'd love to pray with you personally down here in the front. I'll get off the stage and come down here. But I'd love to invite you. Um, as the whole congregation is going to give you a clap and a cheer, the worship team is going to sing a song. Could you come down here so that we can pray and rededicate or dedicate your life to Jesus? Come on down. Come on down. Thank you so much for joining us online. We hope you had a powerful experience. We want to take this time to personally help you navigate the next steps in becoming connected. If you made a decision for Christ today, need prayer, or want more information about our church, go to our website, c3sandiego.com. And if you didn't get a chance to give online during service and would like to contribute financially, you can go to c3give.com and click on the giving option that works best for you. We look forward to hearing from you. See you at church.